Welcome to Make Mine Multiversity, the best podcast in our universe for exploring the Marvel multiverse. I'm Elias Rosner. And I'm Jana Hill. And this week, we're trying our luck a second time and looking at the year gone by again. Excelsior. So you, if you've been listening to us for a little bit, you might notice that we're going to be kind of relitigating some 2021 topics again. Uh, but that's just because we really like to look back at the past year in as many different ways as possible. Uh, and we haven't really talked about like a, a big, broad overview of 2021 at the end of the year. We kind of did a look back at what did we think at the beginning. But now that we're here at the end, what do we think about things? It's always fun. No, totally. I mean, I was looking back at my comics reading for the year overall, and I read a disgusting amount of Marvel. Like, I should have read less Marvel and more of other comics because I like other comics. But nope, I read like a disgusting amount of Marvel books. Yeah, I'm I'm genuinely fr- I looked at the numbers on the side of my spreadsheet and I went, "Okay, there has to be a better way of recording this." There isn't, but there has to be. <sighs> Those numbers are st- scary. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't help also Marvel uh, b- b- reaching out their tentacles. You know, I I've read Star Wars comics for a lot of years. I read them when they were Dark Horse mm-hmm. and uh, and now that Star Wars comics count as Marvel comics. I read some Aliens and Predators comics this year. That was Marvel. Yeah, once Disney decided they wanted everything back, they just, you know, hoovered up all of Dark Horse's licenses. They got Alien Predator, they got Star Wars, they got Conan. Yeah. So much. Not- not, and I'm not not to uh, not to knock Marvel because I liked a lot of those Marvel comics that I read this year. Oh yeah, uh, but I read too many. <laughs> I got to tell you though, so my my biggest 2021 surprise shouldn't have been a surprise, but everyone was telling me that this Jed McKay Black Cat book was something else, and I took one look at those covers. Mm-hmm. Who did those covers? J. Scott Campbell. J. Scott Campbell. And let me tell you, I have actually worked with J. Scott Campbell on one occasion. I found him very pleasant. He was very professional. He was very uh, soft-spoken and very, you know, and he uh, wanted to make everybody happy. He's a real people pleaser. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, so I I always feel bad when I'm like, but his work's not for me. But his work's so not for me that it it pushed me away from reading those comics. And he does not do the interiors. No, no, he doesn't. It's been a, a rotating cast of, it was originally Travel Foreman. Uh, yeah, and then, I like the travel uh, I think stuff. Chris Anka did an issue or two. Love Ryan that. Reber did a couple issues. I don't know if it's Reber or Reber. Uh, and at the end of the run, it was CF, I don't know, it's Villa or Via. Um, well, great job crediting a lot of artists, which I wasn't ready to do. But um, I was tricked into reading some Jed McKay here and there. And every single time I was like, wow, this, this issue is really good. Who wrote it? And then at the end of the year, I finally went back and started catching up on stuff he's been doing at Marvel all year. And yeah, Jed McKay, incredible find. Yeah, I think this is this is the year that he's really stood out. I think that's also why he made our breakout uh, writer list, even though he's been writing for a while. He did the um, Man Without Fear miniseries that bridged the Charles Soule and uh, Chip Zdarsky run. Yeah, and I read. And I that. thought that 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 book was it was okay. It was pretty good. It was but... good. This I a feeling I love when reading comics is when you say, "Hey, this is good. Who wrote this? Who drew this?" And then you go and you look at the credits, and then you've noticed that you've done that five or six times, and it's been the same people <laughs> who impressing you every time. That that's like an amazing yeah. feeling. That is a really amazing feeling. 
That happened to me. I read this one line of dialogue in an issue of Thor that said, uh, we must to Asgard once again. And I was blown away by that for some reason. I was just like, wow, that really, I love the rhythm of that. Who wrote this? Kieran Gillen. And that was the first time I noticed I had been reading a bunch of, he did an Ares comic. He had done the, mm. he, he'd been doing a bunch of stuff in the like magic corner of Marvel. And I had been reading all of it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize it was the same guy. Yeah, that would do it. That's wild. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of who stood out to me this year beyond other years because we've been talking about a lot of the X the X book people for mm-hmm. a good while. Leah Williams consider continues to like really make books that like connect with me on this very personal level almost more than mm-hmm. anybody else. Um and I think it's crazy because she's incredible and her writing is so so polished already but you can feel that she's like uh, this isn't her final form. She's still got like a long way to go. Yeah, and that's very exciting to see and to think about. If this if this isn't the end, not yeah, the end. Yeah, for me personally, yeah. just like mm-hmm. that Trial of Magneto thing. Can you can you think of a single other comic that wrote Scarlet Witch as compellingly as that ever written? I cannot. No, I haven't read that many Scarlet Witch comics anyway. But even the one of the ones that I have, yeah, no, I I have not. And it, it's been a while since like Marvel or even any of the big two did like a mystery mystery, and you reached the end and you you were like, oh, they actually pulled it off while also, like, subverting every expectation four different times. You're talking Trial of Magneto specifically. Yes, specifically Trial of Magneto. Absolutely, yeah. An amazing murder mystery. Because Death of Doctor Strange is kind of doing that too, but it's not really about the mystery. Right, well, the the thing that Leo Williams and a lot of the X-Men people are so good at, and Hickman is good at this too— is um, they can turn, like, continuity maintenance into a really fun, compelling, exciting story. Yeah. Like, um, Leah, it made it so that uh, Northstar and Kyle are expecting a baby, but weirdly because it's because of resurrection and stuff, and it's this whole uh, convoluted sci-fi thing. And I love how it fits that world, but I also love that it continues their story. It makes me excited about those characters for the first time since their marriage, which was like 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the whole X-Factor crew. I'm still waiting for Blob to get center stage again. I want my Blob back. I want Blob back. Wow, it's Dang been it. years, and yeah, and I'm still I'm still clamoring for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe, maybe one day. <laughs> wait, wait. I want an anthology series where Blob is just a bartender. <laughs> I mean, I would Give love it a. To me. I would love a Green Lagoon miniseries, and it's just about uh, Blob and Anol, and they're um, just like, and it's just like they're working, and their customers come in, and it's like Cheers. It's like Cheers, but with Blob. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's that's my free X Men pitch for the day, Marvel. Take it or leave it. <laughs> I also know, of course, uh, one of your big creators of the year was Ryan North, that little Power Pack miniseries. Yeah, he didn't do a lot for Marvel, but every time Ryan North, they put him on a book, I'm going to read it, and I'm going to be very happy. He did that one Darkhold issue, which was really creepy, (laughs) really creepy, Uh, and you can kind of see that it was originally a miniseries. He said in his newsletter that when they first constructed Darkhold... It was going to be like a couple of miniseries and then they went, you know what, we're going to all make all these one shots. And you can see that, but you can also see where that would have trimmed a lot of the fat and it works a lot better as a as a single issue. Yeah. Uh, and, and then Power and, Pack is just so much fun. We got well, Wolverine. <laughs> he, Wolverine. Ryan, Ryan North is one of the most like uh, economical guys. He just comes in and did like uh, right that that four issue series stuck with me more than I you know twenty five issues I read other series. Yeah. Oh, it's actually five. It's five issues. The five issues of Power Pack. Yeah. Um, four four members of the team. Five issues in the yeah. series. 
Well, Wolverine, he was the fifth. <laughs> right. <laughs> Not very helpful in starting that power plant. Uh, no, no. I, I think he might be my standout character. Uh, Wolverine? Uh, him, him and Wolverine and Jeff. Uh, I mean, it's Wolverine, just reskinned. But but I love, I love that. I had so much fun with that. But somehow, somehow, 2021 made me love... Ben Riley. I yeah, never would have I'm thought so in a million years I would have liked I'm exactly this the same way. I kind of hate Ben Riley. I'm old enough that I was reading uh, Clone Saga stuff as it was coming out and hating it as a kid. Ooh. I found it so confusing and um, and upsetting. Like when I was a kid and they were telling me Ben Riley was the real Spider Man, that yeah. really that really messed with me. I was I never wanted to read Spider Man again. It's a shame because I think that was a good idea if you didn't want Peter Parker to be allowed to change or grow or whatever, then substituting him in and letting Peter do his Peter stuff. I think that is a sound decision, but that is the uh, kind of the crux of the Clone Saga's whole deal is, well, there were some good decisions, but most of it was pretty terrible. And the execution was definitely not good. I feel like when you're doing a lot of uh, like variant heroes, right, who are like substitute heroes, when there's clearly an original, it's really important to carve out like a little tonal niche of what how how you use these characters differently. Yeah. So like if I can give you an example, um, Clint Barton Hawkeye is like he's like Midnight Cowboy, right? He's like a country guy coming to the city and it's kind of overwhelming and over his head. Mm-hmm. Um, so he like laughs and he uh, protests too much and he's a real loudmouth about it, but like really it's because he's uncomfortable, and. Um, Kate Bishop Hawkeye is like a uh, noir private eye detective and she's like uh, right she needs a car where Hawk, uh, Clint doesn't need a car he has like a hover bike if he has anything but she's like uh, driving a convertible and she's yeah. in California and she's solving mysteries and she uh, always is two steps behind and she can't afford the rent and everything and they're both like struggling but it's like a different genre and then mm-hmm. Riley I never understood what the different genre was from Peter Parker until this recent Spider-Man run yeah, the Beyond I, stuff. It's like psychedelic and creepy is his vibe. Yeah, and kind of unset. Like, it's edging up to 2099, like that that kind of tone of like the sci-fi oddities and the the tension between... I think, I think being a corporate stooge is uh-huh. actually the perfect role for Ben Riley totally, because he's he a no clone. Agency. Yeah, exactly. His thematically, it's all about how um, he has no freedom, he has no agency, he's not a real person. And But he's trying his hardest under the system and like both and the, the you know the metaphors of it being kind of a kind of a prison for him and uh is it janine uh or janice i know who you're talking about i i looked her yeah, up it, i never encountered i never remembered her but she's a c- character from his original comics yeah it's it's just so fascinating janine, it is janine you got it right i got it wrong yes. her real name is elizabeth elizabeth huh. i know nothing about this character i only know what's been introduced in the beyond stuff she was first introduced in Spider-Man: The Lost Years in 1995. Huh. I um, did you ever read stuff that the Beyond Corporation came from, like uh, the original no. Next Wave or um? No. Oh, Al wait. Ewing's... Beyond isn't brand new. No, no, no. Beyond's Beyond got is like. A... Yeah, Beyond's got a whole history. Oh. Be- the Beyond Corporation was first introduced in Warren Ellis's Next Wave. Oh. A very influential and beloved and acclaimed comic book by uh one of the guys who had the hardest and most deserved falls in comic books. Yeah. So one, you know, a book that I have on my shelf that I used to read every year and I haven't read since that, that news came out a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Beyond Next shows up in Al Ewing's Ultimates because uh, the connection is Monica Rambeau. 
Ah, okay. And the idea is Next Wave is so surreal and psychedelic and, like, it's kind of a joke book that it can't be in continuity. Mm-hmm. And then Al Ewing kind of retconned it that the Beyond Corporation is run by Beyonders, and they keep on uh, putting superheroes into these, like, extra continuity adventures that are, like, really surreal and heightened, and nothing makes sense, and there's, like, goofy monsters and mad science inventions. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, so it was this cool Warren Ellis idea that I'm sure if he stuck with it, it would have been really mean-spirited like a lot of his ideas end up being. Mm. And then Al Ewing made it like a really interesting plot device, and now this whole Spider-Man team putting Ben Riley in there is brilliant to me because um, the creepiness of the Beyond Corporation is going to use uh, like godlike power to just fuck with you for no reason is exactly what Ben Riley is like. Yeah, yeah. And we're, we're finally getting some, some things done by Patrick Gleason. Yeah. <laughs> after after basically disappearing for a year. I don't know the, if there I don't know the story if there's a story there. Well, he was he was DC exclusive and then he became Marvel exclusive and then much like Ryan Otley when he became Marvel exclusive didn't really do much. Yeah. Uh, and we have no idea why. Ugh, I loved Ryan Otley on Spider-Man. Yeah, his art was great. And now his art remains great. The stories he's been attached to remain well, the yeah. They're no uh, Robert Kirkman. No. No, unfortunately. No. But speaking of Robert Kirkman, his era is coming. Wait, that's Hickman. (laughs) I mean, I like Kirkman too, but uh, yeah, he hasn't done a Marvel book since uh, the very early 21st century. Yeah, but the Hickman era of X-Men has come to a close, and we'll be kind of talking about this in another episode in more depth, but Inferno number four dropped, and... That's it. That's the end. There are only a couple. There were a couple issues of the other series that were coming out, and then they're all basically either ending or going on hiatus or changing their names, and coming back in like March and April. And for January, February, we're getting the ten lives and deaths of Wolverine, which is Ben Percy's big thing. But yeah, Hickman's gone. It's a yeah, sea Nexus. change. Yeah, uh, the the reign of X is over, and the destiny of X is beginning. I'm. I don't know how to feel because I really I'm curious what this next era is going to look and feel like. And I wonder if Hickman is staying as like head of X creditor, like if he'll still be hiding in the slack, people will be talking and he'll be like, oh, this is a good idea. Or like maybe think about it this way or like still guiding things or if he'll like completely disappear from them and it'll be held by someone else. Yeah, it sounds like they're still figuring a lot of that stuff out. Uh, Hickman's been doing a bunch of fun interviews on other podcasts. Not ours, if <laughs> you would notice. Uh, I mean, it would be great if we could interview him. I don't know if He if asked if he could come on our him. show. I told him I told him we weren't interested. <sighs> Gina, um, how could you I, do this to me? I, I thought we would lose our, our credibility as like a, you know, pirate indie underground podcast if we had on Hickman, who's the man. <laughs> But I, what's really funny is um, it's really clear to me from what, that Kieran Gillen is one of Hickman's favorite comic writers right now. Mm-hmm. And it's also really clear to me that he he really respects and admires the team that he's been working with for the last couple of years of Leah Williams and Teeny Howard and Vida Ayala and Jerry mm-hmm. Duggan um, and Ben Percy, too, even though we, we often don't like his books on our show. His and Marvel I, books. I think a combination of um, – the people who he's been working with and knowing that Kieran Gillen is coming back and writing a book um, made him feel like his ideas had custodians who were going to realize them, which 
you, you could just hear it in his voice that this is very difficult to him, and he really had to talk himself into this. And I think that's cool. I think that's yeah. cool of him. Uh, he's not going to stay away. For, no, like, he, he can't stay away. He, yeah. he loves Sunspot and Cannibal too much. Yeah, he, yeah. I think also in that is uh, Victor Laval coming on to do that Sabretooth miniseries, and I guess finally getting the Milligan and Allred X-Statics or whatever series that they've been teasing since literally the start <laughs> of the Oof. Hickman era. X-Statics is such a lies trash. It's just like a weird, uh, misguided satire that's such a product of its era. And I feel like you love like academically studying those. I do. I read that <laughs> and I could, I could not parse that series. But Peter Milligan books are – I have to read them. Sure, no sure. Yeah, what. yeah. I, I love Peter Milligan books. Yeah. And uh, I also think – we were talking about the uh, – uh, you were talking about um, Victor Lavelle on Sabretooth, which is exciting. But I'm excited for Nyla Rose, AEW uh, wrestler, writing a Thunderbird one-shot. Wait, what? Wrestler Nyla Rose, who is very cool. And, when was um, this announced? I, I pretty – not uh, not uh, that recently, like a couple weeks ago what? from time of recording. Clear, clearly I um, follow follow this stuff very closely. I mean, no, you do follow this stuff closely. It's just a lot of stuff. That's not your fault. Uh, that's a good point. But we, wow. we're going to have an entire episode where we're, later, in a couple of weeks, uh, in a month from now, we're yeah. going to have an entire episode where we do nothing but um, parse the ins and outs of the Hickman era. We look to the future and figure out what it all means. But tell me this, Elias. Did you watch any Marvel movies this year? They keep making those. <laughs> I have watched all of them, actually. All of the ones that have come out this year, uh, as well as a few that came out in the early 2000s. I rewatched Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2, uh, and I had a total blast uh, with Pizza Time. Oh my god, that's my favorite joke in the whole in movie history. <laughs> in all movies. And we were, I, okay, I will gush, I feel like we need to do an episode where we just gush about the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies, even the trash one. I, I love the trash one. Uh, Spider-Man 3 is a fascinating exercise in what if you took a bunch of Bronze Age ideas and tried to do a Silver Age pastiche of them. Oh, that's, that's my hot a, take on Spider-Man three. Ooh, that is a very good hot take because Spider-Man one and two are both very Silver Age. Yeah, it's it's really clear that Raimi's like, I'll do a superhero movie, but it's got to be Silver Age. And then yeah. they're like, but Venom's got to be in the next one. He's like, okay, but what if Venom was Silver Age? <laughs> and that's kind of a neat idea. It's kind of a it's yeah. bending genres. Yeah, but this year, I mean, I think. The Marvel films were they didn't take as many big swings as I had hoped they would. I like I had hoped Eternals was going to be really out there, but it was it was out there but not in like the the kind of way that it needed to be. But at the same time it's the Eternals, so ugh, they, they were never going to be able to do anything great with them. I think it's on streaming now. I'll yeah. watch Eternals. I read the first two trades, however many trades, one trade of Kieran's yeah. uh, Eternals comic. Um, we'll do an Eternals episode. I don't think I'm I, – I think I'm not going to like the movie as much as I like the no. Kieran comic, which is I like it okay. You will not. I, I can unequivocally say that because my, my one or two sentence summary is it's a very messy movie. I really liked it, but it's like mess. very messy. I, I just was singing the praises of Spider-Man – Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 3. Clearly I don't like mess. it's a messy in a different way. Well, we'll do an Eternals episode someday in the future, but it'll be mostly me hating Eternals, and you'd be like, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I didn't see Eternals, and I um, I not caught up on, on Marvel stuff this year. But we had um, some weird, neat TV shows. Like, I know you're obsessed with MODOK. Yeah, MODOK. Hitmonkey. Hitmonkey was surprisingly good. I heard it was poignant. Yeah. 
it was I kind of hope both Hitmonkey and Modok get season twos. Although I don't, the Hulu shows throw hands up in the air. Who knows what's going on with those? Sure. But I, th- I think Marvel TV did a lot better than than like Marvel and film just in general. We had we had a whole episode talking about what came out earlier in the year. There were a few shows we didn't talk about, but on the whole. Definitely the TV side was more successful, even with the the stinkers uh, in there. There weren't really that many stinkers. Even the movies, there weren't really... Nothing was bad. They were either okay to really good to... uh, I Did you see the new Spider-Man? I haven't seen the new Spider-Man yet. Okay. I'd like to. Okay, I really I want to know your opinions, knowing your opinions on the other two Spider-Man movies. I mean, we should I I think we should plan to have a whole Spider-Man. We 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 haven't given Spider-Man the due that he has deserved considering yeah. how much we both love Spider-Man and yeah. what he means to Marvel. So what what about you? What have your thoughts been on the this year in Marvel TV and films? I, I guess uh, I'm a little bit cooler than you, but like, yeah, you know, I like stuff and I was I was enjoying what I was watching. I don't know what it is exactly, but I feel like I feel like it's probably some sort of like um, corporate lethargy, I guess I'll call it. But like, mm-hmm. I feel like uh, Kevin Feige is the one whose name I know, but whatever executives over at Disney are are making this assembly line, I think they, they made it too tight and they built this entire infrastructure to make the same movie over and over again. Hmm. Um, not knowing when the bubble would burst, and I don't know when the bubble burst exactly. Spider-Man was definitely the highest-grossing Sony movie of all time. Yeah, well, it's uh, Spider-Man. It's yeah, Spider-Man. but it's, it's, it's always it's a, gonna. It's the seventh Spider-Man movie, and it's the highest-grossing movie of all of those. Yeah, but it—it's the Spider-Man. It's the first. It was higher-grossing than like at right before Omicron wave really got understood like it hit that perfect sweet spot of people wanting to go to see the movies in the theater like i i think it explains a lot of why it's it's as high as grossing i i assure you there is no explanation it was so anomalous just how much it how many records it broke and how record setting that movie's box office was it was insane how many people wanted to see that millions of americans saw that movie it's true the the theaters were so packed i looked at this like all the yeah. AMC's in our in our area, you could only get seating in the front rows, and this was like across four or five days, which is was which I'll remind you was normal in a time that you lived in, but uh, now it feels like a a scary event. Ah, uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, that Spider Man movie was insane. How much of a cultural impact it probably had uh, in like ways we can't even understand. I mean, I know a lot about it because I live in comic book. Yeah, internet world, but um, no, but I haven't seen it myself. But then, like, uh, yeah, like I, I was watching Modok on your recommendation, and I checked out the first Hit Monkey, and they were both pretty delightful. But like, they're not my favorite things on TV right now. I don't like either of them as much as The Witcher. Hmm, interesting. And then, um, like, there's a bunch of Marvel movies that I love, and I'll put on again and again. I feel like Winter Soldier, I'll watch again and again, mm-hmm. and um, Ant Man and the Wasp. I could watch that over I and over that again. That movie. Yeah, that movie's just like a fun little. Honey, I Shrunk the yeah. Kid sci-fi bop. Exactly. But then, like, Black Widow, I never want to watch again. The more I think about Black Widow, the more bummed out I get, too. Uh, I still think it was pretty pretty okay. It, I was watching it, and I thought it was pretty okay. But the more I think about it, just the more of a bummer it was, like, certain characters that I didn't like the way they used them, especially mm. my, my man Taskmaster. But fucking yeah. Ursa Major was in that movie, and he didn't turn into a bear. 
She was in. Oh God damn! That's the, that. The entire movie was the sentence I just said. The I, my summary of the Black Widow movie is Ursa Major was in it, but did not turn into a bear. They just were like <laughs> throwing Marvel shit at it, and then not having anyone do their Marvel thing. It was done with like such a, a disdain and disinterest in any of the components of the film, and it was done with such like assembly line genericness that uh, mm. yeah. The more I think about yeah. that movie, the more it's bumming me out. And then just like, yeah, every time I'm thinking about Marvel movie stuff, I'm like, Black Panther's coming out, but like, I'm still sad about Chadwick Boseman, and is the new Black Panther like a weird anti-vaxxer, or did Disney's like agents shut her up, so now she's not tweeting crazy stuff? And just like, this is not what I want to be thinking about when I'm getting excited about a movie. Yeah. And that's yeah. like the vibe that that side of Marvel had, which is why I'm like doubling and tripling down on my love for the comics. There are so many creators who excite me and energize me in the comics and such fun, different stories being told there that feel like ballsy and uh, and different and creative. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with you. It is tiring and a little frustrating to try and follow any of the stuff there. But you know what? Let's look to the future. Uh, and when we come back from our break, we're going to... Tell basically do what we did last year with our predictions for 2022. <laughs> Hello, everybody. My name is Mike. And I'm Greg. And together we are Robots from Tomorrow, a twice-weekly podcast appearing at MultiversityComics.com. Each week, we take some time to check out books and shows on Wednesday that are worth your attention. And each month, we dissect the previous catalog. We also have long-form discussions about books we've enjoyed, like Dan Clow's Ghost World and Jack Kirby and Mike Royer's Commandy. And if that's not enough, we also do creator interviews. Some of the talks you'll find in our archives feature Mike Mignola, Leila Del Duca, Sean Martinbro, Emma Beebe, and Greg Rucka. So that's a lot of content for everybody. Please subscribe. Subscribe to Robots from Tomorrow in iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss a thing. Robots from Tomorrow has hours of comic-focused entertainment week in and week out. And now, back to your show. And welcome back. We are predicting what we think is going to happen next year in the world of Marvel. This is something we did last year. I thought it was a big success. We got a little bit of positive feedback on it even. People uh, enjoyed uh, following along with our prediction bets. And we got 10 new predictions here. Yeah, uh, and I'm going to cheat again and have an 11th that is just kind of me having fun that I like fun. I'm not putting in for points. <laughs> um, uh, so last year we did a thing, and we're, which you'll be hearing about next next uh, episode, <sighs> where the the loser, ha- we both had to read their least favorite Marvel comic of all time. Yeah. And um, we decided to keep alive the spirit of that, but maybe uh, change the approach. So instead, Elias and I have each picked kind of our, like, guilty, pleasure, hot take, favorite, bad Marvel film of all time. And whoever wins is going to inflict their Marvel movie on the other person. So Elias, mm-hmm. what's a Marvel movie that you think I hate, that most people hate, that you think uh, deserves a shot? Well, putting this out of the way first, we are not doing the uh, Nick Cage Ghost Rider movies as much as I would love to rewatch them. Well, the reason I we're not picked... doing them is because we both love them. It's not, yeah, that's this not is a, true. A contest no at fun. all. So I picked, uh, we're going to watch Howard the Duck. Yes, the one directed by George Lucas. That one. Did he direct that? He more than produced it? I don't, I don't know if he directed... You know what? I should fact check myself. He might have written it. That's crazy, too. Yeah, it was directed by Willard Hoyick. Oh, yeah. he. Uh, yeah, that's still wild. He he was involved with it. He was but, definitely involved with it. He was like a producer, and he was on the set and stuff. Yeah. And uh, it, 
I, the Hayek's first uh, thing in his uh, Wikipedia is that he was a writer associated with George Lucas. He did uh, Temple of Doom. Oh, no, and American he's just Graffiti. the executive producer on it. How sad. Yeah, but the George Lucas Howard the Duck. I've seen it. I hate it. But I'd be willing to watch it again uh, if I'm a loser, I guess. But I'm not going to lose. I'm going to win this. And instead, we are going to watch the 2002 Ben Affleck Daredevil movie. However, we will be watching the Superior Director's Cut. I am afraid. You should be afraid. There is an evanescent sex scene that rules. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. Uh, but it defi- it will be far better than what we're doing next episode. Right. Ugh. Yeah. Regardless, this year somebody will be happy. This year nobody was happy. But that's okay. Yeah. That kind of was the year we deserved. <laughs> Elias, yeah. what is your first prediction for Marvel 2022? So, I said before that I think Hickman's going to come back to the X-Men. He can't stay away. So my prediction is that in 2022, Hicksman- Hicksman. Hickman will write a new X story which is not counting the X-Men Unlimited um, uh, digital first stuff that's coming out on Marvel Unlimited because he was already writing for that. Unless, you know, there's an extended break and he comes in, you know, midway through the year or later for another arc. This is just like one story. could be an issue. It could be a piece of an anthology. But I think he's going to come back for something X-related in 2022. So this means... Also not counting Inferno number four because that, you know, just came out. So uh, just to, to, for, for my clarification, so if he does a one-shot, that counts. If he does a mini, that counts. If he mm-hmm. does, like, a four-issue arc on New Mutants, that counts? Yep. If he does a four-page story in the middle of something that's new, it counts. All right. I think that's a pretty good bet because uh, I think it's, like, likely to happen but not guaranteed. I'm willing to give it to you. All righty. My first prediction is a little bolder than that, though. Ooh. My first prediction is that the last issue of Kieran Gillen's Immortal X-Men will be solicited. See, you? Oh, you think it's going to last less than a year. I'm not saying it's going to last less than a year, but I'm saying by December 2022, we're going to know if it's going to end by March 2023. Does this count if they resolicit it as a brand new number? If it's a brand new number, we're, uh, or, that's you a know, great... Uh, with a different name. Like if they're it's... literally just renaming it. If it's a, if they launch another book that's not Gillen writing an ongoing about the Quiet Council, um, then I get it right. But if it's just like they change the title from Immortal X-Men to like Uncanny X-Factor and Gillen's still writing it or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, then I don't get it because okay. it's the same book. Okay. Yeah, kind of like how Excalibur is transitioning into Knights of X. Right, and with the with, uh, same writer. Yeah. And I think basically the same rest of the creative team too. We will be treating it as different in our baseline X. Yes. But anyway, my second prediction was that Ben Riley will stay as the main Spider-Man. Ooh, I uh, disagree with that, and I have a countering prediction later. Oh, yeah, I think that once the Beyond Beyond Era, which I think they said was going to last like 15 to 20 issues. It's going to end by uh, March of 2022. Yeah, once that's over, I think Ben is going to stay as the main Spider-Man. Uh, and Peter's still going to be around, but I think he's going to take on a different role. Um, and obviously Miles is still going to be around. Who knows? Maybe Miles will take over as the the main Spider-Man. But I, I don't think they're going to... Marvel owned by DC feels like they're not getting rid of Peter. You mean Marvel by Disney? Hmm? Marvel owned by Disney, you mean to say? Oh, yes. <laughs> Marvel owned by DC would be a very different movie situation to begin with. Oh, 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 you thought... Okay, no. I, I said Disney both times, but I thought you meant Disney owned by Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I just, it's shocking how ready I, I am. Like, if a year ago you predicted that Ben Riley would be Spider-Man, I would be booing you. And now I'm like, hell yeah, give me two more years of Ben Riley. Let's see how I feel then. Mm-hmm. I'm real. I'm sign me up. I'm 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 ready. Oh yeah. Uh, well, my number two uh prediction is that um the obscure Doctor Strange character Casey Kinmont will appear in a comic, any comic, and a comic that Marvel publishes in 2022. Huh. Uh, Casey Kinmont. Just to check the Marvel wiki, has appeared in nine comics, um, most of which are the same Doctor Strange Volume Five by Mark Wade and Emma Rios. Ooh. Sorry, no, Volume 5 is the more recent run. That was Doctor Strange Volume 2 by uh, Wade and Rios. Yeah, yeah. Which is a very briefly lived run where this character, Casey Kinmont, was Doctor Strange's apprentice. And she was set up, she was pretty cool. She had magic eyeglasses that could see through any illusion. That's rad. Yeah, and she was going to be his apprentice, and then she just got dropped and never mentioned again, except she got brought up during Infinity Wars. Mm-hmm. Is the only other place she's ever appeared. But I think that given the recent events with Death of Doctor Strange and the announcement that Klee is going to be taken over as the Sorcerer Supreme, that we're going to be bringing in a new supporting cast of like fun, disparate Doctor Strange stuff, and I think Casey is going to at least show up for an issue. Hmm. I mean, if Mark Wade has anything to do with it, because she showed up in his... They're minor appearances, but they showed up in his more recent run. Uh, yeah. When, when Mark Wade uh, is on the book, he, uh, he he's the only one who remembers her. But I think this year, uh, maybe Jed McKay, maybe someone else is going to bring back Casey, who I love. Yeah. She's a fun character. She sounds like it. All right. So my third prediction is that Young Avengers will return as a title. Oh, that's a great pick. I should I thought of that one, but I forgot about it. Yeah, uh, nothing more complicated than that. I If Young Avengers does not show up again as a title, well, I lose. Uh, it's about time, though. It, like, um, There hasn't been a Young Avengers ongoing since the Gillen McKelvey run, which was a long time ago, six, seven years yeah. ago now. Oh, and, a lot more than that. Like 10 years ago? Wow. Yeah, you're right. Wow. Yeah. I'm just like looking at it right now on my bookshelf. I bought it <laughs> brand new, and I even got the uh, Scott McCloud variant hardcover. Oh, wow. Um, he drew a really cool cover. I said Scott McCloud. Sorry, I meant uh, Brian Lee O'Malley. I was looking at Scott McCloud on the shelf. Oh, okay. Rooms. I was like, Scott McCloud did a cover. That's wild. Yeah, Brian Lee O'Malley is it's more on brands for him. Okay. Um, but I just uh, I feel like it's about time for them to do a Young Avengers comic. It's been a long time since they've had a ongoing. And mm-hmm. also, it's really clear that they're going to do a Young Avengers movie, like a big budget movie in the next couple of years. Yeah, I would not be surprised. Or they they'll do a big like mini series crossover thing. Who knows? I wouldn't be surprised if it showed up on uh, on Disney Plus. Yeah, absolutely. I, but yeah. I, yeah, I think that's a great prediction. I hope you're right. I think you are right. Um, my number three prediction is very simple as well. It's just that Ryan North will write a Marvel limited series, and it will be wonderful. And you will lose no points if it's not wonderful. I if it is not wonderful, I will be shocked. But I mean, if if it's not <laughs> wonderful, I'll lose points. But um... no, you you won't. But it's, that won't happen. It, of course, it's going to be wonderful. And this bet is yeah. particularly that um, Ryan North is no longer like a Marvel exclusive. He doesn't have any plans to do a Marvel ongoing, but he's clearly somebody they like to call up. So this is just that uh, they're going to announce him doing some sort of limited series. If it, they announce an ongoing with him, I am wrong. If he contributes to an anthology or a one-shot, I am wrong. It has to be a limited Ryan North series. Interesting. That's what I'm putting my okay. money on. That's my roulette okay. wheel this year. So my number four is... Uh... Well, this this is one that I was talking to Jane before the show. I'm like, one of these, one of these is uh, I put it down, and then I realized I didn't have a good one to swap it out with, and it's kind of a crap prediction, but we'll see, because uh, it's kind of subjective. It's Secret Invasion won't suck. 
Um, there's like a, I like this. We I, I we were very cordial and uh, and uh, fair-minded when we did our prediction bet uh, for the last year. So I think uh, there's metrics we can look at. Critical word of mouth. We both know critics. Also, yeah. uh, just go at Rotten Tomatoes and see what people are saying. I think a critical consensus. If we have to argue for it, we could argue for it in good faith. Yeah. And, and right now, uh, I kind of mm-hmm. think Secret Invasion is going to suck. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know. I I have no idea because if it's coming from – again, I like Falcon and Winter Soldier more than Jaina did. But if it's coming from that kind of approach, I think I'll win. But if it's coming more from like a Hawkeye or, or WandaVision side, I think I'm going to lose this one. You think it's not going to be good if it's goofy? It's only going to be good if it's a little bit more uh, self-serious? No, no, no. I I mean, if 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 it's too self-serious, I think it's going to fall flat on its ass. Ah. But uh, in terms of quality, I think if if Falcon and Winter's if it's more like Falcon and Winter Soldier, it's uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna succeed because it's gonna suck. Oh, you're predicting that it will suck. Uh no, shit. Seek. <laughs> yeah, see, I'm confused yes, here. My point, my Secret Invasion is going to be good. That, Secret Invasion is going to be good, go. and you will win if that's the case. I will win if it is good, uh, and we all lose if it's not. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not rooting for it to be bad because I do want to watch it, and I do want it to be good. I really hope they let Samuel L. Jackson like sit in a chair. That guy when he's running around in movies now, and this is like somebody get Samuel L. a chair. <laughs> he looks tired. Yeah. And no shade to Samuel L. Jackson, one of the greatest actors in the history of the cinema. Just like, uh, maybe he shouldn't be jumping over cars and shooting a gun with one hand anymore. Maybe that's not the roles for him. Yeah, maybe, maybe not anymore. Well, my number four is a pretty bold one. Okay. I And it's it's also uh, like movie, Disney, plus MCU related. Mm-hmm. Which is that there will be announced an MCU Heroes for Hire thing with Charlie Cox's involvement. Oh, I hope so. Now I'm not phrasing. I'm phrasing it in such a way that um, if it's not called Heroes for Hire, if they bring it back and call it the Defenders again, which I hope they don't. That was stupid. Um, I, and the spirit of this still happens. But I'm I'm predicting that there's going to be some sort of Daredevil, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, maybe Jessica Jones, maybe Punisher type characters assembling for some sort of live action project, either a Disney plus series or a movie announcement or whatever, uh, with Charlie Cox in it as daredevil. Here's hoping. Um, I think we're, yeah, I, this is my perfect prediction. I love this one because, uh, it's, it's real crazy and it seems almost unimaginable right now, but I think it's going to happen. Mm hmm. All right. My number five is that a new non anthology title will be announced with a cartoonist at the helm. So kind of like how we had uh, Beta Ray Bill by Daniel Warren Johnson or when Walt oh. Simonson was doing Thor or, you know, Frank Miller Daredevil, that kind of thing. Uh, it can be a limited series. It can be an ongoing. It has to be more than one issue and it has to be not an anthology. I mean, unless they and unless someone ends up doing four or five issues in an anthology series, then That's I, a really think, cool I think I can count it. That's really cool but. because uh, just I know you and I are big fans of cartooning, and that's like a style that doesn't happen a lot in mainstream comics industry. Yeah. It's it's usually teams of people working together, and a cartoonist would do it all themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a super. I, I hope we get that. I love uh, I loved all the series you just mentioned. I love the Marvel stuff. Yeah, by cartoonists. exactly. So what's your number five? Well, my number five is that uh, another AEW associated wrestler besides Nyla Rose will get some Marvel credit somewhere. I would not be surprised. We've had so many random <laughs> wrestlers showing up at Marvel recently. Well, it's, uh, another one I can think of is CM Punk, who is with AEW right now, wrote that Drax miniseries, which I love. I thought it was a ball. 
Wasn't the Miz involved with something? I hope the Miz was involved in something. That would rule. Of course you're a Miz fan, Elias. No, he. I just saw him recently. <laughs> um, Miz is WWE. I'm predicting one of the AEW wrestlers specifically is gonna get mm-hmm. a Marvel credit. I, and this could be any sort of credit. This is a long shot, but I, I think that there's um, I know that Cody Rhodes is often photographed uh, reading very like good basic comics. The dude like Saga. The dude was reading Jason Aaron's Thor. And uh, I know he's passing them around with all those nerds who wrestle in the locker room. So I think one of them is going to try to get involved. I would Maybe not Daniel be surprised. Bryan. I'd love a Daniel Bryan. Uh... He's with AEW? Yeah, as of recently. Oh, sorry, he's huh. uh, Brian Danielson now. Huh. Um, I think Brian Danielson would write like a mean uh, Man-Thing Nexus of the Universe story. I would have fun with that. More uh, Man-Thing. Yeah, more Man-Thing, more Brian Danielson. How about you? What's your number six? I think I'm going to end up failing this one. Oh, uh, hit, just, it, hit me. But uh, Teeny Howard will spearhead the Big Summer X book. Now, the reason why I think I'm going to fail is I don't know if there's going to be a Big Summer X book because we're getting the 10 lives of, and deaths of Wolverine, and I forgot about that when I wrote this prediction. Why and don't that we feels say... like it's going to be the big uh, I don't think X so. I event think... of the year. We'll get one more X event. Why don't, instead of saying summer, why don't you just say Teeny Howard will uh, front the big X event? Because I, I like that implies the characters and themes she's writing about are going to be central to the event, which I think is risky because uh, she recently headed X of Swords, Ten of Swords. Mm, yeah. Um, and I think that uh, Vida Ayala or even Steve Orlando or Jerry Duggan or Al Ewing getting uh, taking the lead is more likely. So I say go for that prediction. Make it a little broader and I'd still take it. Take you on. All right. My number six is that there will be an animated anthology in the style of Star Wars Visions. So every episode is like a different uh, art style or a different team or whatever, uh-huh. uh, but for Marvel stuff. Ooh. It's I like don't a... know if that's going to happen in 2022. If it's announced in 2022, I think you can even win this because I know animation just takes a while. So like they might yeah. announce we're doing something in 2023 because they saw the success of Star Wars Visions. I, I'll uh, give you the point if it's if it's just announced. That's very gracious. Thank you. And I, yeah, I, something like that, I would agree. Something like that should count. Yeah. All right. My number seven is that Wiccan and Hulkling will head up a story arc, be that as a mini, a part of a current ongoing, or the start of a new ongoing. Yeah, that almost seems like a gimme. And I hope you're right, but nothing has been announced yet, so that's fair game. Yeah, and th- that's why, because they haven't really done anything since Last Anni- Annihilation, uh, and they've been pretty quiet in between that and Empire. So I'm, I'm yeah, waiting. I'm, I see them pop up uh, every so often. I kind of, personally, I kind of like this new status quo where Hulkling is the emperor of the universe and Wiccan is his sorcerer consort husband. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a fun status quo, and I like them just showing up as, like, ambient authority figures in space adventure books. But yeah, yeah give them a story, too. I, you know me, I'm a longtime Wiccan and Hulkling believer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I hope to see you there, but I don't hope to see Howard the Duck. My number seven, <laughs> and I can get really screwed on this one, is that the Midnight Suns game will come out and have a vocal hate base, but still be pretty great. Hmm. I think that game, you know what I'm talking about, Midnight Suns? Yeah. yeah, I do. It's like a strategy computer game by the guys who made XCOM with collectible cards and Marvel characters, but it's like really like horror and magic themed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's going to be my favorite game that's ever been made. I think it's going to rule. And I think that there's going to be a lot of people who are either expecting like a less 
cerebral Marvel game, like they want something more like that Avengers game or that Guardians of the Galaxy game, or there's going to be a lot of strategy game fans who are like not here for a Marvel infecting their hobby. I just think there's going to be like a weird internet movement for a pretty great game. That's my prediction. Okay, we shall see. Trying to, right. to branch into Marvel media besides the comics and the Disney Plus stuff. Yeah, I, I don't pay enough attention to that, so I'm not even going to try. So my number eight uh, is that Leah Williams will write a book with a big named character. Because we uh, have we have no announced projects from Williams. Uh, I have no idea what she's doing in 2022. I don't I know what true. X book she's involved in. So we'll uh, see. Wait, so if Leah Williams is writing X-Force and Wolverine is on that team, does that count? If it's in a more major way, you know, like how like Ben Percy's X-Force, Wolverine is there, but like... No, so I, th- I think we gotta yeah, be, it's got to be more really specific. I think I it's got to be... Uh, but I didn't uh, want to be like Spider-Man. Right? It doesn't have to be a specific hero, pick. but that Leah Williams is going to like uh, uh, be head, you know, spearheading an ongoing of like a major Marvel character. And I'll even go so far to say major character counts as um, all, all of the obvious choices, plus anyone who's ever had a movie. If it's Leah Williams on Black Panther, that counts. I don't. That's not going to happen. But no, that'd be uh, wild. We, I mean, we might get. So that means if we get a Lee Williams Ghost Rider series, yeah, that would count. Ghost Rider's a major enough character because there's been movies. That's that's what I'm saying. If it's okay. a Leah Williams Silver Surfer series, though, that's kind of borderline. We're gonna have to fight it out. Uh, oh, that's true. We did get Rise of the Silver Surfer. Yeah, but he's after the colon, which is after the Fantastic Four. That doesn't sound like a top billing to me. God, I would, I would really like to see Leah Williams write uh, Fantastic Four. That would be sure. very, very yeah. interesting. That's bold thinking. I feel like they keep giving Fantastic Four to like stodgy writers. Give Fantastic Four to somebody with like a really different take. Yeah. All right, what's your number eight? Okay, my number eight is simply that Junji Ito will draw a Marvel variant cover. Oh. I Right? Uh-huh. I feel like that's about a 50-50 shot of happening. Yeah. I guess it really depends on if they can get him to do something. Because they've gotten... Just the way this would happen is um, every so often Marvel will do a month where they're just like, this month everyone is famous rap album covers. This month everybody is um, horror movie scenes. This month everyone is Gwen Stacy. <laughs> and then they'll hire cool comic artists to do variant covers for that across the across the line. You don't mm-hmm. We don't see these a lot when we get our review copies, but if you're in a comic shop, you'll, you, you see them in the bigger stores a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, if Junji Ito does even one of those weird variants that counts, he's just like a really hot artist, and uh, every and uh, Marvel's had a pretty good record of getting hot artists to do little bits here and there. That's what I'm counting on. All right, I I would I would love to see that. I know you would love to see that. Yeah, I would love even more to see a, a Junji Ito drawn like Marvel series. I, I, I don't think I have no idea what it would be like, but. I th- yeah, I think that would be a harder bet, but uh, I hope... I mean, I... have you ever read Yon and Moo Cat Diaries? No, uh, I oh, have not. Oh, you have to read I it. I live with it's somebody who has. hilarious. Yeah. Oh, it's the best. It's my favorite work by him because it's just his horror drawings of doing, like, the relatable cat things. It's beautiful. It is perfect. Um, I have nothing bad to say about it. Well, that's what uh, other... I, what I... Dear listeners, one of the reasons I picked this is I knew Elias could not root against any Junji Ito Marvelite. Yeah. Kill him with right. kindness, I say. Yeah. All right. My number nine. 
Russell Dowderman will return to interiors for some as-yet unannounced project. Maybe yeah, Guardians with Hickman? Eyebrows, eyebrows, eyebrows. Um, are you but, going to uh, stipulate it's got to be an ongoing? Um, no, because I, I think he might return for like a miniseries. Yeah, that's more likely. I mean, okay. Yeah. I'll give it to I, you. I think uh, if it's a one-shot, it doesn't count. Uh, if it's a miniseries, it does. I think. I think that's... Okay. Put that in parentheses so we don't forget that. That seems like a good rule. Yeah. Like like how he did Giant Size. He did two issues of that. That would not have counted, even though it was two issues. Um, but if he did all five issues, it would have counted. Yes. Hell yeah. I hope you're right. I could use some more Dollarman. I was yeah. looking back at some stuff he drew uh, in the earlier X stuff. Mm-hmm. Just like breathtaking. That guy and Matt Wilson also, I hope that they're making out because those two have a chemistry like no one has ever had with Matt Wilson. Jesus, Dodderman and Wilson come alive like nothing I've ever seen. Yeah, I, I wish. I wish we got more of his stuff. Um, all right. So I my number 10 prediction, I know I got number nine to say still, but my number 10 prediction is mm-hmm. just the one that I think is the like zaniest chaos pick. Uh, so I okay. said it for last, but my number nine is my big one. Okay. And it's... We're recording this in early January of 2022, so we don't know announcements yet. This is due to be announced, like, if I'm right, we'll find out probably by the time we're recording the next episode or something. Okay. And that is, is I wrote, read my lips, Uh Jonathan Hickman, Spider-Man ongoing. Oh. That's my prediction. I think this is my biggest one that um, so just where we are right now in time, we know that Jonathan Hickman has left the X-Men book. He's doing exit interviews. He did Inferno. It was great. X-Men's continuing without him. You're predicting that Hickman's going to stay involved. And we know that Hickman is still going to be doing work for Marvel, mm-hmm. but we don't know what property. We know that the announcement is due to be pretty soon. They said by January, although they haven't announced it yet while we're recording. And we know that Spider-Man Beyond is ending in March. Mm-hmm. So I think that um, Sp- Spider-Man Beyond so mirrors um, what the X-Men books looked like before Hickman came on, right? It was a cr- collection of writers and artists alternating issues doing like this big messy story before Hickman swept it all under the rug and took everything in a bold new direction, right? Yeah. I think that's what Beyond is for. I think Beyond is just this zany idea that a bunch of writers are jamming on, and then Hickman's going to storm in and do something radically different with Spider-Man, just like really reposition him in the universe, and um, and that's going to be the big thing that he's writing. Maybe it won't even be a collection of books. Maybe it'll just be Hickman doing Peter Parker, Amazing Spider-Man ongoing. That I'm not predicting. All I'm saying is that Hickman will be doing an ongoing, and it will be Spider-Man, and it will be great. Hmm. Do you think that's going to happen around issue 100 of this current iteration because i think the beyond era is ending around then um i don't that honestly i that's not the kind of numbering shenanigans hickman tends to like personally but uh, maybe some editor got excited by it i don't know yeah he wouldn't he wouldn't say no to it i guess but um yeah so my big prediction for the year is that the next big hickman marvel project is hickman on spider-man whatever that looks like maybe it's not peter parker maybe it's not amazing spider-man but what it's his version of that. We'll know it when we see it. Yeah. Oh, that's that's exciting. Yeah, and I'm that's putting... an exciting prediction. I don't know if you're gonna get that because I don't know if Hickman signed up to do an ongoing. I don't know either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm really putting my chips on this one. I I think he would do Spider Man. I think uh, Spider Man. Mm-hmm. He wrote Spider Man as a major character in his Fantastic Four run, but I think Spider Man's like a big one that he would love to do. Hmm. I guess we'll see. Uh, so my number ten. Seems a bit low stakes, but I think we're going to get a major status quo shift. 
that will end by this year's out by the year's you know end. So this could be like the fallout from Reckoning War or whatever the hell is happening in Timeless or you know whatever happens in Devil's Reign. Although I don't, Zadarsky has been very good about having whatever status quo shift like really stick for a while. Like he helped keep uh, Fisk and as the mayor for his entire run. Although it's, it, the, his run is continuing, and there will be a new mayor or a, a new election happening. Yes. So we we will see how that plays out, which I'm curious to see how it's gonna gonna happen. But I think like we're gonna you're gonna we're gonna see something big shift in one of the the titles, and then that's gonna be gone by the end of the year because that that seems to be the way of things. Like nothing really lasts more than six or seven issues. That's very subjective, and I'm looking yeah. forward to rules lawyering it with you when we get there. Oh yeah, I I'm excited because there are many avenues this could take. Uh, well, like, so, for example, Clea being S- Sorcerer Supreme, that would be one of those sh- status quo shifts. Right. If, if Doctor Strange is back, or if it's another Sorcerer yeah. Supreme even, then yeah. the Clea being Sorcerer Supreme didn't stick. I see. Yeah, the I see except- what you're saying. Yeah. But the exception is the Ben Riley thing because, you know, that's kind of projected and faded to we don't know what's going to happen at the end, but something's going to happen. I accept I think, that. I think Ben Riley doesn't count as a big status quo change if he stays or goes. Right. Well, yeah. This this whole thing has a real uh, substitute Spider-Man. Yeah. St- like uh, that seems to be built into it. Yeah. So what's your wacky number ten? I need to know. I need so to know. I my number ten chaos pick is that simply that the Jason Aaron Punisher comic will set off some epic wave of controversy. Oh shit! I forgot that was coming out. Yeah, so if you're not following uh, Punisher, which, uh, why wouldn't you? <laughs> it's a barrel of laughs over in Punisher Town. Um, Punisher went kind of cold during COVID. Uh, there was, who was writing the Punisher book? Was that like Lonnie Nadler or something? No, it was Matt Rosenberg. And he oh, Matt wrapped Rosenberg, it, yeah. He wrapped his run-up, he wrapped his run-up before COVID, I think. Uh, um, it it, it kind of disappeared. It was like one of those COVID books that disappeared and never came back. Really? No, I, th- I thought he ended it at like issue 18. Because before that, it was Becky Cloonan. Right. Um, and Steve Dillon, rest his, rest his soul. I was reading that, um, Rosenberg one. That's the one where Punisher goes to space? Uh, no. No, no, Is no. Is that the Clinton? Uh, maybe. No, Rosenberg, Rosenberg's ended in, in, uh, uh 2019. Jeez, yeah, I, well, I read that one. I, I remember yeah, it going it into COVID. ground level, it was kind of crap. Um, I, I liked it well enough, it was, it was nothing. But since then, uh, obviously, politically, uh, there's been, uh, a lot of, uh, there's, there's been a whole uh, anti-police movement uh, that has uh, grown to unprecedented size, the uh, largest protests in human history took place in the United States. And um, the police in question, um, many are taking the Punisher logo uh, as an emblem of theirs. Uh, there is – I live in a town um, – I live right above the, the Democratic uh, headquarters for my county and the Republican headquarters around the corner from me. And the Democratic headquarters is kind of like a sad room with some folding chairs and folding tables and a coffee pot. Mm-hmm. And the Republican office is a gift shop where they sell Trump merch. Oof. And one of the pieces of Trump merch they sell is um, a Punisher skull with, like, the gross Trump hair on top of it. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah. I've and seen I, that. It's so ugly. I took a picture. I sent the picture to Dis- the Disney Corporation, and I was like, hey, you know, this is how people are using your logo. Do I, should I take this to mean uh, this is an endorsement of this copyright infringement that you're just, like, so politically enthusiastic <laughs> you're not going to send a cease and desist? And uh, Disney didn't get back to me, unfortunately, unlike oh. Jonathan Hickman, who I told to take a hike. 
<laughs> but but yeah, just like Punisher is um and, and Punisher vanished from Marvel. He wasn't in events uh since the COVID nineteen pandemic. They kind of quietly retired Punisher. So I was shocked that when they were announced that Punisher's coming back, instead of being a comic where uh, Punisher maybe uh, looks for bad cops who are appropriating his identity and his logo, which seems like the obvious way to address this, and I'm sure there are many Marvel writers who would be uh, happy to take a shot at that. Mm-hmm. They're doing something where Frank Castle, uh, which I'll remind you is short for Francis Castiglione, mm-hmm. um, is becoming the head of the ninja clan The Hand, and that Punisher logo that's been uh, used by police officers in the United States to represent, I don't know, a pro-murder stance, I suppose, yeah. is being replaced by like an Oni skull that is using a Japanese imagery. And I got a feeling that... Hmm. The reason they're going in this kind of like they're taking this swerve with Punisher, they're giving it to Aaron, they're making it uh, like a ninja book, is they figure that ninja stuff is like uh, so far away from the police stuff that it surely can't court controversy. And I got news for you. That's exactly how you find controversies when you take a swerve like that. You're going to swerve right into it. So that's my prediction. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know if Punisher is going to be too pro-police, too anti-police, too quiet on police, too culturally appropriate towards Japanese people, if he's just going to be killing a lot of faceless Japanese people who don't get any characterization, as happened in some of the Marvel Netflix shows under uh, Jeff Loeb. We learned uh, some of that was uh, even ickier than it textually seemed. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it's going to be, but people are going to get mad about this Jason Aaron Punisher book, and it's going to ruin my Twitter for a week plus. That's the prediction. Okay. It's, How do you like that to to take it home? I I don't know what to think about it because I like, I don't really know much about this. It's Jason Aaron's return to Punisher after a decade. Yeah, he never did six one six Frank Castle. He did uh, no. Punisher Max, which is in a different yeah. continuity. Yeah, I with like that Punisher Steve Max. It's Dillon. real nasty. Yeah, with Dylan, it's like nasty stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's not like a morally good book, but I like if you want like a trashy noir exploitation kind of thing. It's like it's really tight. It's 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 well done. And that's what I'm want. Like I, one of these things where I want to see what the book actually is before we make any, because it could be entirely Marvel marketing putting its foot in its mouth. Um, Who yeah, knows? and that, I think that's even the most. I mean, Jason Aaron is like a. I've met Jason Aaron, and he's like a real. He's real quiet, and um, he likes what he likes, and he's not here to make anybody upset, and he wants to do like a fun. Punisher, like murder mystery comic or something. That, or that's what he. That's how I bet Jason Aaron's seeing this. The controversy is definitely coming from marketing. I yeah. don't think he's. I don't think he's courting it beyond saying yes to this book, which is probably a bad decision in the first place. But I'm I delighted we'll to see. find out. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll see once it comes out. Uh, so that's our predictions. My eleventh prediction was that Marvel Unlimited will fix its search engine, uh, and if they do that, uh, I will just be very happy. I would I'll love a point, but I am not staking anything on this <laughs> one. You hear that, Marvel? We believe in you so little, we're not willing to bet anything on you. We're, we yeah. just hope, but we cannot bet. No. Uh, granted, I have not tried out their new app because all of my devices, uh, well, they don't have the most recent OSs on them. <laughs> I need new stuff. Seems like something that the biggest entertainment corporation in the world should be able to fix, but here we are. Yeah, I mean, they if they could... Hey, Marvel, Marvel, I'd gladly take a a Samsung Galaxy Tab uh, S7, S8, whatever the newest one is, 12-inch screen, hit me up. Uh, Yeah, I wouldn't mind one of those, too. We'll do a commercial for you guys. You throw throw one of those our way. Yeah, we'll we'll sell as much as we can, maybe. 
So here's what I want to do before we wrap up here today, Elias. Okay. I just want to do a lightning round. I'm going to go through all 10 of my predictions real fast uh, all at once and then say what I get if I win, and then you're going to do the same. Okay. All right. Prediction number one, Kieran Gillen's Immortal X-Men's end will be announced. Number two, obscure Doctor Strange side Cassie Kinmont will appear in an issue. Number three, Ryan North will write a delightful limited series. Number four, uh, some MCU heroes for hire, Luke Cage, Iron Fist type thing is announced, but with Charlie Cox's Daredevil involved. Number five, an AEW-associated wrestler uh, beyond Nyla Rose will get some sort of Marvel credit. Number six, there will be an animated anthology in the star style of Star Wars Visions, but for Marvel stuff. Number seven, the Midnight game, uh, Suns game will be good, but uh, its haters will be loud. Uh, number eight, Junji Ito will draw a variant. Number nine, Jonathan Hickman Spider-Man ongoing. And number ten, Jason Aaron Punisher comic sets up a real-life wave of controversy. And if I win, we are going to watch the... Uh, a Marvel movie that I'm going to the mat for, which is Director's Cut 2002, Ben Affleck, Daredevil. Woo! <laughs> 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 All right. My predictions for 2022. <clears throat> Number one, Hickman will write a new X story, be it a four-page story or a limited series or an ongoing, anything that is within the X continuity, excluding the X-Men Unlimited series unless he comes back for it near the tail end of the year. Number two, Ben Riley will stay the main Spider-Man. Number three, Young Avengers will return as a title. Number four, Secret Inve Invasion won't suck. Number five, a new non-anthology title will be announced with a cartoonist at the helm. Number six, Teeny Howard will spearhead the big X event of 2022. Number seven, Wiccan and Hulkling will head a new story arc, be it that as a mini, a part of our current ongoing, or the start of a new ongoing. Number eight, Leah Williams will, will write an ongoing with a major character. Number nine, Russell Downman will return to interiors for some as-yet-unannounced project. Uh, One-shots don't count, but miniseries do. And number ten, we're going to see a major status quo shift that will end by the years out. And my uh, movie, what we will watch if I win, is we will watch the Howard the Duck film from the 70s. Yeah, hope hopefully uh, I'll win, and we won't have to endure that. <laughs> um. And speaking of having to endure things in this bet, uh, next episode, we're going to be talk uh, talking Ultimatum, my least oh, favorite God. Marvel comic of all time. Um, I want to remind our listeners that we often encourage listeners to read comics along with us, that we think that's fun. We're reading most of these comics because we recommend them. This isn't Not a this. comic that we recommend. It's full no. of, like, terrible content. We it's should horrible. put a content warning at the top of the next issue uh, episode for sure. Um, oh, yeah. And I'm hoping to spend some time using Ultimating as an example of, like, um, or answering the mystery, like, why did this happen? How did this happen? And how does this understand uh, what comics looked like the year it came out? I, I think uh, it's a real interesting case study of, like, everything going really wrong in, in, in our culture. And mm -hmm. um, and thus, it will be fascinating to study. So hopefully it'll be like a really great episode and people can listen to it without having to read the comics. I doubt we'll be able to stop ourselves from gushing about the terrible violence and cannibalism and just like cruel, pointless deaths and nihilism that that book is filled with. So we will be talking about it if you're delighted to make fun of that and hear about it. But yeah. um, yeah, but and if you don't want to linger on that and would rather process that with us then the next episode is going to be great for you and you can skip reading this wretched comic. Yeah, please, please do. Please do. I mean, I, I am, as has been shown many times, I'm the guy who will read the thing that I've been told not to read 
looking at you, X-Men Kingbreaker. I told you but, not to read it. Yeah, this this is one of those series where uh, I am I am afraid and I have a high tolerance for absolute garbage and this isn't like fun garbage. So, I uh, no. But how did it I, happen? This this you will learn. Yeah. Don't be surprised if the episode is 20 minutes and it's just the two of us <laughs> screaming into a microphone. God, that would uh, be eldritch. <laughs> but in the curse. meantime, Jaina, where can they find you on the larger interwebs? You know, Elias, my name has changed, my pronouns has changed, but my Twitter handle has not. And you can still find me at rambling underscore moose. I still have a problem with running my mouth, and I still like mooses, regardless of gender. Although, like, let's be real, the antlers are a big part of the appeal. The moose cows, <laughs> the moose cows are uh, less uh, notable to look at. But I respect you, moose cows. And I am of, of you. And you, Elias, if people wanted to find you on the interwebs, they could find you, of course, at Multiversity Comics, where we both uh, still contribute. But where else may they find you? They can find me on Twitter at Quetzalish. That's Q-U-E-T-Z-E-L-I-S-H. Uh, each one is stands for one of my predictions, but uh, out of order. And there may be one or two that are just in there to, to throw everyone off because I'm difficult that way. Uh, you can also find me, as said before, writing at multiversitycomics.com. Uh, I've got some fun things in the works for this upcoming year, uh, so be on the lookout for that. But until then, we will catch you on the flip side. See you there. <laughs>